Hey y'all, welcome to ODAT, also known as One Day at a Time, a show where we love to discuss the essentials and tips for the everyday woman and how to achieve your best life, not just because you deserve it, but because you were made for more. I'm your host, Karina F. Daves. Hey amigos, welcome back to One Day at a Time, also known as ODAT, the place where I love to interview the true hustlers of the world. On this series, Don't Be Ashamed to Hustle, we are featuring Veronica Olivares, a psychotherapist at her own private practice. Now, Veronica, I love to give my guests an opportunity to introduce themselves. So I'm going to give you about 10, 15 seconds to say anything you want uh, listeners to know about yourself. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, go. So I like to look at mental health from a holistic perspective. I think that's really missing right now in my in in the world. And so it's something that is at the forefront of my practice. And in that really starting instead of from the mind, from our hearts and really looking at emotional wellness and emotional health, because I realized so much of that was missing in this work, especially working with women who is who I predominantly serve. Okay, that's beautiful. How about we take another 10 seconds and you also tell us anything else fun about you? <laughs> fun <laughs> about you. So, Go, anything. Absolutely. So I um, I guess a fun fact is that I, I dance Bomba y Plena, uh, Puerto Rican folk music. And I've been doing this for the last, like, I want to say three years. I really wanted to connect with myself um, and my background, especially the Puerto Rican side, because that's the side that I really didn't learn a lot about culturally. And this has been bringing me closer to the culture. I absolutely love it. I have my drum right here in the background, as you can see, my bomba drum and um, been taking classes with an amazing group in Jersey City that have been teaching bomba y plena for the past like 25 years um, in Hudson County. And uh, it's one way that I express myself and connect spiritually to to God, to my ancestors, um, and something that brings me a lot of joy. Wow, that's super deep and beautiful <laughs> at the same time. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So I met Veronica over 10 years ago. We both went to Rutgers, and we were both just broke college students. <laughs> For real. At, at one point, I remember we lived together. Um, it was just a, a really, um, I would say, noodles and rice sort of period. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, cup of noodles. Yes, ramen. Yeah, kind of life. Hot pockets. <laughs> Hot pockets. <laughs> cup of noodles. A lot of parties. A lot of dancing. A lot of things that past 10 p.m. I don't think either one of us can do today. <laughs> Definitely not. Plus, it's Definitely. not good for um, our skincare routine and you know <laughs> wanting to look young. <laughs> so Correct. we're in college. It must have been 2008, 2009 um, when we graduated. Now, at this point in your life, uh, like what would you say your college experience meant to you? Oh, my goodness. Um, it was absolutely a, a pivotal point for me in my life. I mean, I think it not even p just pivotal, but a catalyst, you know, um, for discovering myself and, and at least even like, like playing with my interests and the things that I, that have kind of 
were seeds back then and kind of grew from that. I mean, you know, one, I, I became a psychology major just because I didn't even know. I think they put you in like communication or psych when you don't know what you want to do. So I was like, okay, I could do psych. And I got thrown into that. And I just loved all my courses. I was like super interested in, um, you know, people and humans and human beings. And so that kind of became a seed that grew. And then at the same time, I was in, you know, our sorority, which I mean, just gave me like a, a crash course on life 101, because it just, you know, it showed me responsibility. It showed me about relationship. It showed me about, um, you know, pushing me past my comfort zone. I mean, we would like, you know, speak in front of mad people, like as, as 19 year olds, 20 year olds, like both of us, you know, just having to like, almost like mature in this really unique way. And even just like, being in sisterhood was such a unique experience to me in that way. Um, because my family situation was also always so broken. And, you know, going into this place where I was in a commitment, you know, for like, four or five years um, was beautiful. I, right. That was really different. So right. I think one of the things that I remember distinctly about you is that you made a lot of things work with very little resources. I don't know how you did it, <clears throat> but it's like you would just do it. Um, you know, I literally would see you get dressed in 10 minutes. You would put on a performance in three days. Um, you know, you would, you know, you would get grades, um, that you were proud of. Um, and although your relationships, as you mentioned, were broken and not necessarily where you wanted them to be, there was still a part of you that was sustainable, right? That had some type of balance, or maybe it didn't like, tell me about how that hustle mentality, like what was your drive during those years? Wow. Um, that's a really good question. I, sometimes I, I wonder like, how the heck did I get through all of this? Um, I think that for me, I have been a kind of person since I'm very little that I've always been like very entertained and very interested by like, like the nuances in life, like the details, like the small things. So like, you know, I think that that's translated into, you know, my, my therapy practices, like everything should be celebrated. You made progress. This is amazing. Let's indulge in that. I've always been an indulger, sometimes to a fault, right? But for the most part, that carried me um, through a lot of difficulty because I've always been so like, I see life as like a stage. And it's like always like a, like I, I joke around about it being almost like a musical. Like if I can just make this enchanted and magical wow. all the time, then even the hard moments and the sad moments are like worth it. You know, there, there's lessons in there. And I've always been, um, I think I had to mature very early as a young person before college. And that made me even more grateful when I was in college and away from a lot of traumatic things that were going on back at home. So I completely indulged in everything. And I think that I'm, I'm a reflection of that for other people. Like I didn't even do it knowingly back then. Now that I know that that's more of my purpose and who I am, it's easier to like fall into that, that personality. But 
I just felt like life is wonder, like such a wonder. It was always like, oh, wow. Like everything was like that for me. Um, and I mean, there was just so much stimulus in college. So that was not hard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything was like, wow, <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Um, yes. And that pushed me. Wow. And, and think about like your ability to connect because you had, from my perspective, you had friends from all different walks of life. Like I remember seeing different types of people around you, different types of people walk in and out. Right. And it seemed like these different types of people fueled different parts of you because we're not meant to be one dimensional. Right. Like I think that that's sometimes the cage that we can be put in is that all your friends have to look the same, act the same and love everything that you do. But the reality is that we're given multiple gifts, right? Of dancing, of learning, of reading, of painting, of whatever it is that you want to do. And so it seems like you strategically put yourself around people that fueled the different sides of you, right? Yeah, that's actually so interesting that you have that perspective. Um, Yeah, you know, when I was younger, I moved a lot. So I never stayed in one place a long time, which forced me to have to make friends in a lot of different places. I mean, I went from the suburbs in Jersey. I moved, ended up moving to um, Ecuador when I was 12. I went to school there for about a year and then I came back to Jersey, but I ended up moving into like an urban community. So I was kind of shifted in a quick amount of time in a lot of different places. And I just like, I guess going back to what I said before that I'm, I'm very interested in people and in humans. Like, I think I came here with this knowledge that like every single person has something to teach me or something to, to tell me, like, I don't even care if it's like, you know, a homeless person in the street. Like, I always believe that everyone has um, something to offer a gift. And I always see, you know, to a fault also, I always saw people in that way. And so I was, you know, people felt that genuineness for me. And I think that's why I was able to make connections, um, so easily with so many different kind of people. And you're right. You know, I think they fed different parts of me. Um, And that really, really helped me acknowledge the different parts in myself, because a lot of us have a lot of parts that we have within us that like lay dormant almost. And, and, And I do think that a lot of our work is to harmonize our inner world, you know, and to to know it, to to be aware of it and um, you know, naturally, I think moving around a lot just made me reach a lot of people in different places. And I was just like, wow, like no matter where I go, I can make friends and learn something from different people. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some things about certain friends like that I really like a- admired and looked up to, like knowing what you want and going for it, being being bossy, like not being a victim. Um, you know, like there were certain things that I was like, I want that, you know, like I want to be I want to be more like that. Mm-hmm. And so it did help me, I think, become more like well-rounded to yeah. be that way. Um, also causes complications too, right? Like all of that comes with it, but, um, I don't know, it was worth it to me. So, and wouldn't you say that that's part of the hustle mentality, gathering all your resources? Like it doesn't just mean materials. It literally means people, right? Like harboring these 
people that are meant to influence your life is a part of the hustle mentality. It's not just about making money and, and, you know, and getting some food in your system, but survival really means also surviving emotionally and mentally. And I think that the unique part of your, your hustle story is that you didn't just hustle money wise, you hustled relationship and emotion wise. And that is another mm -hmm. level, right? Like, wouldn't yeah. you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Very difficult. Cause it, you know, it's not as, um, straightforward, you know, those yeah. parts. And so now there's a gap and the gap that I want to, you know, talked about is from college till about maybe five years. Um, not that I three to five years, not that I didn't see you, maybe I didn't see you as much, but you sort of went away um, in the sense that, you know, nothing was wrong with us personally, like Karina and um, Veronica. But I think yes. all I knew is that you went on a discovery path um, to try to live somewhere else and do yes. a whole bunch of um, things. And I don't know much about that period in your life and you don't have to share, you know, the smallest details, but I think it's important, um, for our listeners to know that process and like yeah. what that did for your life. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting. I think that I always look at that period as like my late rebellious period. Like, you know, a lot of teenagers go through this, right. When they're like defiance and they're wanting to like, state their autonomy and like, I can be independent, right? When they like have no clue about anything um, or not, not anything, but many things, right? Important things. And so I was never that kid. Like I was very, I was very obedient. Um, I was very studious. I, you know, always followed the rules. I listened. I was pretty easygoing, um, even through like the tumultuous times that I had, you know, the, the traumatic experiences I had at home that were happening. Um, and despite all of that was really quote unquote good. Um, so when I finished college and I realized that I was going to have to be like responsible, I was like, oh, heck no. Like I need one last hurrah. So I listened to that. I listened to myself and it was insane because I was in a really good job at the time. I was working at um, MSK, which is a cancer hospital, very prestigious in the city. I was there for a couple of years, making very good money. I was able to save a lot of money. I had great people I was working with. I had a great boss. Like It's just like the perfect ideal situation. But I had also been getting my master's in social work at that time. So I was like busting my butt for like three years, like out of the house, six in the morning, not home until like 11 o'clock at night with internship classes, working full time. And so at the end of that, I, I think that I was having a little bit of like, a, not a breakdown. I was, I was, I was burned out and I made the decision, which a lot of people disagreed with to leave my full-time job and to just move to another place and just see what happens. I don't even think I had a plan. I had enough money to take care of myself for like about a year because um, I had saved up. I finished my master's at that point and I had to take my license exam, but I was like, you know what? It was almost like, you know, doing a backpacking trip after you finish college, right? Which I never, I never did. 
So I was like, you know what? I deserve this. I've been busting my butt. I'm going to go. And I left my job, my great job. I moved to New Orleans. Um, and that was kind of happenstance with my, you know, spirit of like, I just love everyone and everything. I ran into someone who was living in New Orleans who had a place for me to stay. And I was like, New Orleans sounds dope. Like, let's go. Um, and I disappeared and I, I really disconnected from a lot of people. But in retrospect, I learned that that avoidance was part of my trauma. You know, that that way of handling things was part of my trauma. I didn't know I had zero awareness. I mean, I was working so much that I never had time to reflect. I wasn't, you know, in therapy, but because I was getting a master's in social work, it was a constant conversation. Like, are you taking care of yourself? You know, would you consider therapy? What are, how are you thinking? And how is that impacting you as a person and how you're working with others? So it was always like, uh, how do I say this? Like, uh, intellectually understood, but personally, emotionally, all of that stuff was, I was ignoring. So when I left to New Orleans and I was living out there by myself, I didn't want anybody to be part of that process. I didn't want any influence from anyone. I mean, even my mother and me didn't speak as often as we would um, prior to this. I was really almost in my like, again, rebellious place where I was like, I don't care. I'm fine. Let me be. But I partied. I, you know, I was like looking, I didn't have even have a job. I was like chilling. And in that time, I also was realizing it and things were starting to hit me. I was starting to learn about my trauma and how it was impacting me and how things were, 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 were shaping the person that I was becoming. And I didn't necessarily feel that isolating myself was the best thing, you know, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't going to be sustainable mm -hmm. to, to disconnect from my loved ones, my best friends, um, my sisters, you know, I, I just realized. And of course, in that decision, I sacrificed a lot. I sacrificed relationships. Like, you know, things weren't the same with a lot of people after that for me, you know, and I didn't realize that until later, because just like a young person makes these impulsive decisions, maybe sometimes because they don't know, they don't realize how it impacts them later on until they're older. And it's so interesting how a lot of us experience trauma at such a young age, um, but it doesn't actually get dealt with or unlocked. The doors don't open up till we're much older. Um, I know personally, my doors didn't open up till I got married, which is probably the most dangerous time for it to open up. And I remember sitting in therapy with my husband in marital counseling. And um, after a couple of sessions, the therapist saying, none of the issues that you guys have with each other actually have to do with each other. You're suffering from uh, daddy issues and you're suffering uh, from your parents' divorce that happened over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's super, um, wow. Like just listening to how your trauma um I don't know if that season, I would call it that you dealt with it, but I think, mm -hmm. or that it was completely healed at that time. But I think the oh, floodgates no. finally opened up and everything that was sort of stashed away, like under beds and under every yes. single secret compartment you could fit in your little body, it just got tucked away. Yes. Um, and so that moment, like while um, you mentioned in retrospect was, was you you know, dealing with your trauma, in a sense, it was a form of explosion and it exploded in different ways, right? Like you said, your debt, um, your partying and things like that. And I, and I personally don't even think you 
you regret any of that, right? Because like that no. moment needed to happen um, because you being allowed to be a therapist out there with children probably gave you some insight, uh, like kind of like a little um, scope into the future of like, oh, this is actually what I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's such a beautiful story, um, beautiful part of your life. But when you transitioned back to New Jersey, you had to have experienced some backlash. And now that you're coming back and you describe it as a phoenix rising from the ashes, you're coming back stronger. You may not be in a position any longer where you don't take anybody's crap anymore, right? Because when before we deal with our trauma, some of us can have personalities where, you know, we're pushers, pushovers, right? Like people can just say stuff about us and we just kind of laugh it off. But now you've been through stuff, a lot of stuff. You come back. Um, and uh, all those people that didn't agree with your decision, all those people that you in sort of ghosted, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. that might've been offended by you being going ghost. <laughs> How did you then deal with that backlash? And did you have to prune people out of your life? Um, I will say, yes, I think I definitely did have to prune, prune people out, out for sure. Um, I don't think I, I even at the time did it. Uh, consciously, I, I think that um, for me, I always see relationships as, you know, reciprocal. So like, if I have to like chase after people or go after people, then I'm, you know, I'm kind of feeling like it, it shouldn't have to be so difficult. Like I'm, you know, we're in a relationship together. And um, even though I might have been very harsh in a lot of my exchanges with people, I've always been down to exchange, you know, and so um you know, at that time, I think that I was so messed up. Um, but I do think that I was just beginning, like that became the beginning of my healing. I don't, you're right. I don't think that I was dealing with stuff as much. I had a whole lot of fun in New Orleans. I have a special place in my heart for New Orleans, but New Orleans is a very spiritual place. Like if you go there with the wrong intentions and, and even decide to root yourself there, it will show itself to you, you know, like, and that's really what happens. I mean, I, I didn't leave New Orleans necessarily because I was just like, let me get myself back on track. But I, I really felt like I was getting guided by God. I felt like it was divine in the things that were happening and it wasn't in alignment with me. I was like, you know, there's, there's something here that I'm, I'm not seeing. And so I did push myself. And so when I got back, I think that, um, you know, the relationships that I needed to focus on the most were the ones with my family, because um, I was super disconnected from them. And, um, you know, I ended up moving back with my mom and I was like on her couch for a while, you know, like I didn't have anywhere to go. I was, I was really broken. Um, and, you know, grateful that my mom and me have the relationship that we have and, and that she like really has always been such a strong support for me, um, was completely understanding. But I think more so because she was like, you've always been so good. Like something had to give somewhere, you know, like I knew you were going to crack at some point. Um, so it was very understanding of that. So I, I earned the credit, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I earned the credits to kind of mess up, which I really messed up on my own. It wasn't like anybody was a part of it. I was very intentional about that because I'm like, I'm kind of like destroying myself here to some degree. And it was more like I wanted to protect my loved ones from that. I didn't want them. 
I didn't want to drag people with me, but like everyone has their own perception, right? So like mm. people would see it as I'm ghosting them, but I'm like, yo, I'm like falling apart and I'd rather do that alone. Like I don't want, and that was again, a trauma response because I could have had support. I could have been more open, um, but that wasn't my experience. And so I didn't necessarily, although I understand, you know, I think that one of my lessons in, in life is really to, be more mindful of how I'm being perceived by others as well, because I, you know, I knew what I was doing. I wasn't trying to hurt anyone intentionally, um, but impact over intention, you know, like regardless of what I think I'm doing, people are going to feel a certain way. So you come back, you try to um, mold yourself into your purpose, right? Like, you know, your purpose is therapy and you know, your purpose in life is healing, right? And guiding people through that healing. And so everything that you do, you want to make sure that you're intentional, that you're helping, that you're lending a hand, that you're advocating, like that is your theme. And so you hustle really hard to sort of get, not sort of, but like basically get your own practice and get this place. Yeah. And before we all arrived, talk to me about the first time that you walked into that place where we all celebrated, um, you know, your success. I think, I think it was, I mean, I think it was a lot for you. Like it was, I remember listening to the speeches that night of the women in your life. And mm -hmm. this moment wasn't just, um, a glorious moment for you. It seems like a generational moment for a lot of people in your life. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, I think it was really surreal. I mean, going into private practice was not something that was super easy for me to just be like, I'm going to do my own practice. Like definitely not. I was encouraged actually by my supervisor at the time who I was working under his practice. And he was always very encouraging of me. Like, you can do this. Like you totally got this. You can do this on your own. And being able to tell me that really gave me a lot of encouragement and inspiration. And I was like, you know what I can, and I'm just going to try it out. Like what's the worst case scenario. I've already thrown myself into the pit many times before and I survived it. And so I think at every time we do that, we get more courage. Um, it's not like we are less fearful. I feel like I still have just as much fear and I have doubts. Um, but I decided, um, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm okay with whatever the outcome is. When I opened up, I think my family was like, wow, like this is what we've been pouring into her. We've been encouraging her that she can do this and she's not taking it lightly mm -hmm. and one of the things that I learned about when I was in therapy was that a lot of a lot of the things that I did was because I wanted to make my mom proud you know I wanted to make her happy um because I knew she had like a hard upbringing and and you know um had suffered from depression had been through a lot of things and I'm just like just going to make her proud. I'm going to make her happy. And I realized that, you know, even as much as I did that, you know, she had to be her own happiness, you know, she had to be. And that really was a big lesson for myself that I was like, well, I have to be then that for myself also. And so I'm always going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I want. That's going to make me happy. And if it fails, the worst thing is that I failed at something I was, 
I tried. I tried my best. And I really don't think that we don't, we, I really think we, we don't learn unless we just sometimes fall, you know? Um, so I went with that mentality and it really helped. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful because a lot of us don't get started with anything because we're afraid of what the outcome can be. And I think having that mentality, which to be honest, is a hustle mentality. No matter what I'm going to do, nobody can stop me and I'm going to do it. I don't care if I fall. I don't care if I, you know, get cuts on my knees, whatever it is. Like, I don't care if I trip up. I don't care what it is. Like, that's what band-aids are for. You know, like it is what it is. I'm going to make yeah. this work. Um, and, and just like you said, it ends up being a life lesson. If, if you don't um, you know, if you don't succeed or whatever, like if it doesn't work out the way you envisioned it, at least you tried, at least you tried. And I think that that is so, um, just like, it makes me so proud to, to have a friend like you that actually, you know, says life is, is a bowl of trial and errors. Mm -hmm. And I'll never know who I want to be or what I want to do if I don't try, if I don't just try. But now in your current state and the things that you want to do with your practice and the healing that you're doing, what would you say like really drives um, your purpose, really drives you every single day to say like, this is what I want and and I can do this? Wow. I think that my experience of really seeing the best in every person and and really believing in everybody's um, everybody's uh, perspective as, as important for the whole, you know, I remember hearing a quote once that said, God has a comprehensive view. And it was really powerful for me because it made me think that all of us hold like a piece of this puzzle. And if I can just help those see that they hold a piece to the puzzle, you know, then we're all going to be like contributing, whether it's to ourselves or to our community, our family, um, I see each woman as a whole community in her own in her own right. And I'm like, if I if I can even just help one woman, I'm helping a whole community of people. And then they're expanding that and that's expanding. And, and so to me, I always think that I have so much influence in my little corner of the world. And I want to be able to continue to be well enough in myself to be able to share that with others. Um, and that's the balancing act. It's like, I'm not going to do well in my job, in this work, if I'm not a huge part component of that, if I'm not going to my own therapy sessions, if I'm not taking care of myself on the regular, if I'm not allowing myself to evolve and grow um, and prioritize myself, um, this is going to do a disservice to the work that I do. And so I love the fact that my work involves me making sure that I'm checking myself, like I'm accountable um, and reminding us that when we are, especially women, when we are really sitting in our divine design, in our um, position of, of feminine influence, where like we can attract anything and everything that we want, it's all good. You know, it could be all good, all is good, all is well. And that's, you know, that's my message. Each one of us has a gift. Each one of us has purpose here. Each one of us has a piece of the puzzle. And so we're all important and, and um, you know, need to, to 
be aware of that and access that. Um, and that's the work that I love to do. Wow. Wow. Again, that's so deep. And I think, you know, a lot of us don't, um, we don't, we underestimate the power of our influence. We underestimate the power of our voice, of our actions, of our words, of our influence and the way that we treat people, whether we know them or not. Um, one of the things that I love to ask my guests um, is if you could give any piece of advice in 10 seconds of everything you've learned in your life Ooh. to our listeners, you could take a deep breath in and out. What would you say? I would say that having ease and being emotionally balanced and well is possible for every one of us. It's possible for any one of us, regardless of um, what has happened to us in the past. And it does take work. We're not going to ever be emotionally well without effort. And we all have the ability to do so. Wow. Amen. Amen. That's so beautiful, Vero. Vero, I love you so much. I thank you for loving me through all the stages of my life. Um, The stages that I wasn't nice, the stages where I wasn't right, and the stages where I picked myself up and became a better person. I thank you for um, loving me in all stages. And uh, I appreciate you. I adore you. And I'm so profoundly proud of all the work that you've done. Thank you so much again for being on One Day at a Time, also known as Odat, the place where I love to interview the true hustlers of the world. I love you, Vero. Thank you. I love you. Energy.